1: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall
2: Guy. the poster said.
0: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to
2: make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read at PG-13.
0: I'm a bit on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call one 858 858 The award-winning Crunch Time. It's on his right side, so he has no history of, of injury to that side uh, and he won't run probably for the next three to four weeks. Probably one of the positives um, is that there's no tendon damage uh, in the hamstrings.
2: Similar injury to what he sustained last year and he missed a chunk of time um, nine weeks at the back
1: end of the season. So and like we do with Lance, we take a very conservative approach always, but uh, first and foremost, really feeling for him. You need to do everything right to be able to get yourself to the line week in, week out in terms of your preparation, your recovery, your diet, your stretching, your training. That's where he's at right now. And as yeah. soon as you start having soft tissue injuries at that particular stage of your career it becomes more important that you do everything humanly possible to be able to get yourself to the line week in, week out
2: The resumption of the 2020 season is less than a fortnight away but the game's biggest star will be on the sidelines for its majority Will Buddy get back this year? Will he reach 1,000 goals by the end of his career? And just how worrying is his latest hamstring injury?
0: Things are changing quickly, you know the first block of games has been done on the basis there isn't um, the ability for crowds, for fans to attend games. Um, If that changes we'll be the first to embrace that. Um, Whether it's in a a sense where we can fill stadiums or there's something in between that and and what we're used to, uh, we're not sure yet. Um, any, Any opportunity to have fans attend games and I'm sure clubs would love to find a way to reward members or fans, um, if they're smaller groups, um, we'll, we'll certainly embrace.
1: Well, I reckon every day that goes past, there's a better chance. It feels like we're, the community doing such an unbelievable job and our, and our officials and the health officers have done such a good job. We're, we're heading in a, in a direction where, where we're getting back to life. Now, when that looks like, and if that's possible, again, I don't know, but we'll be ready.
2: Would we be prepared to have people tested as part of your ticket price that you've paid for a test of COVID-19? Uh, might mean that we can get more people into the ground. I I know there's a group at the AFL uh, looking at it and stadiums and uh, ticketing agents are certainly looking at it. The concept of crowds at the footy seemed like an impossible task just a fortnight ago, but things are moving quickly in the world of COVID and there might just be a chance of having the fans back at the footy. You're listening to Crunch Time and as always, there is plenty of footy on the agenda this morning. Big show coming up for the next hour. Would love your contribution as well. 1 300 736 736. If you want to jump on the line and join in the conversation this morning, Liam Pickering is with me. Pickers, good afternoon to you. Good
1: afternoon to you, Kane. And uh, Sammy, I assume, is with us as well. And uh, yeah, well, I'm looking forward to having a chat about footy after a bit of fun with the big man. Sammy Edmund is
2: along for the ride as always. Uh, Sammy, hello. Good morning Kane. Good morning Liam. I
0: can only assume guys that Mo and Shandon did a roaring trade yesterday. Champagne corks must have been popping all around the place after Gil McLaughlin announced quarters would we'll definitely go back to twenty minutes with time on next year. Do Rejoice.
1: Really, do you really want to start this again, Sammy, after last week? Your wife had hey, to, well, inter- your wife had to in- interject at one stage when you got home to say, well, what was going on there on Saturday? Because we got a Gee, bit feisty with you. Oh, boy.
0: Liam was wound up, wasn't he? Yes, he was, darling. He was wound up. But, no, you speak for the collective on this. We've, we've and, and, Kay, we'd know we've thrown it open to talk back all week. The fans very much leave the length of the game alone. And it sounds as though if we take Gil on face value, and why wouldn't we? They've got their way.
2: Yeah, I think you're the only one in Trent and the only, the only two, in fact, that want shorter crowds. And Eddie, oh, Eddie wants them as well. But what a ridiculous idea that was. And it's even no, more hang ridiculous. Hang on, hang on, that-
0: hang on. I didn't say I wanted them. What I was saying was, let's just not rule it out now. Let's just see how it goes and we'll decide at the end of the year. We can't, we're not as stubborn to say, oh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, surely we, we're progressive, aren't we?
1: So, I think, Sam, the uh, the jury's spoken. We are, but- we are going back to normal next year. Thank you.
2: No, we are. Yep, as yep. stated, yep. And we, we should be going back to normal this year. Um, and I can't believe there's going to be a shorter final series and a shorter grand final. I don't get that bit, but you can have your say on that. I want to start with Buddy, though, Pickers, mm. because you are the man that instigated this one-off deal, the, the biggest deal that we've ever seen, the most talked about contract, nine years, 10 million, or whatever it was. He's injured. He's got this season plus two more and about 3.7 million left, if you believe what you read in the paper. Have you spoken to him? I know you're not his manager anymore, but uh, there's still a commitment there from him to you. Uh, Have you touched base with him? I haven't.
1: Uh, I have discussed it with the coach, uh, who's a client of mine and a mate of mine. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, so it's it's obviously a significant hamstring injury. It's it's disappointing. He was in really good nick. He's lean. He'd had a terrific pre-season before he hurt his knee. And then, uh, unfortunately, he's had that setback. And to lose both buddy and uh sam reed in a week i mean that's hardly ideal for a young team that, that probably really need those those um experienced forwards to be on the ground i mean it's going to leave a lot of work now to nick blakey and McCartan and mm. and isaac heaney in their forward setup so oh look it's it, it is it's disappointing for the big fella but um he's a he's a pro i mean, he's he's uh way well, he's gone about his his recovery from his knee and you know, he'll get himself back, and I'm sure he'll get back this year. I don't think he'll be out for the year, like a lot of people when, seem to think.
2: When you did the deal, um, so he's 33 at the moment, when you did the deal, did, did it play into his mind that he, he may not get the full nine years? Like Was it, that always a possibility? Because that was the talk, and you know, what's it going to be like at 34, 35, 36? Did that come into your thinking?
1: Well, not really, because I mean, we discussed the the term we discussed the the dollars first and then yeah. the swans put the terms to us we just then we had a good chat about you know will he be able to see it out what's he going to be like and basically the consensus was that if buddy really goes about his his football professionally there's no reason why he won't be able to play until that age and that's been his mindset and that's how he's gone about his footy when he's been at sydney he's been an ornament to them really up there so you now i think obviously that the age factor comes into it. You get the soft tissues. You know, a lot of players have had soft tissue injuries as they've got older. So I'm hoping that it's not something that's going to continue to dog the big fella. Uh,
2: Sammy, he's uh, kicked 364 goals in 118 games at Sydney. He's averaged 20 games a year. So I mean, there's some talk that he hasn't been durable. He's been Mm. very durable. It's just been that the last 18 months or so where he's struggled Uh, to take your pickers out of it, because I know what he'll say. Did you believe if, Uh, say if he averages, I don't know, 10, if he's got 20 good more games left in him. Has it been a success in your eyes, the deal? Oh, I think so. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I know that's a a debate that seems to have split people right down the middle. Just on the soft tissue though, Kane, I was keen to get your opinion on this I mean we hope it's not a runaway train now with the soft tissue stuff with buddy because we've seen before and Brett Delidio comes to mind the players who have been so durable over the uh, the journey can suddenly fall in a heap late in their career whether that's bad luck or maybe the toll of the years prior kick in I mean can it be can it be resurrected because we've seen it before the players have been remarkably durable then they fall in a heap late on.
2: You can you can get it back. Uh, we've seen what happened with Cyril. Now, Cyril was a lot younger, but he just did hammy after hammy after hammy, and, and they were able mm. to get him right and get him back where he could play some durable football. Robert Harvey had yeah, he's a, a, he's, a lot of hamstring issues, he, but then...
1: He's a really good example, uh, Kane. He's the one I think of a lot, because in the middle of his career, Harves, he was getting hammies all the time, yeah. and he ended up becoming a... Well, he was always a great player, but... He became a very durable player towards the back end of his career, and he played something like 360 games in the finish, didn't he? He
2: played 383. I got yeah, it in front of me. He, he played every game in his in his last season. Uh, he would so, have been you know, the age 34, 35. So it, it can be done, but but it's, it's rare, I would say. So, so other guys like Nathan Buckley and... These guys that started to have hammy issues really battled in the back end, so he, he's going to have his work cut out for him. And just because he's so explosive, I feel like those guys are a little bit more at risk. The, the really explosive guys, where it's really hard to control your movements, um, and we've seen him do that this week, just running. So it's a concern. But if they look after him, you know, you, you might get twenty five good games left out of him in the next three seasons. I, I would that would be my prediction.
0: So you ask if it's been a success. So in the six completed seasons up there, he's been All-Australian in what? Four of those, one of them captain. He's been to two grand finals, one he kicked four in. He's won two Coleman medals. And he did say when he got there, I've come here to do nothing else besides win premierships. And there are some people who say the money that Sydney invested, they did so because they obviously aimed and thought they could win a flag with him. But... I, geez, Liam. In a market like Sydney, it's different, isn't it? You need a big draw card, and he's been huge in that regard. And on the field, he couldn't have done much more anyway.
1: No, he's he's been a fantastic acquisition for the Swans. There's no no doubt about that. He, I remember talking to Richard Collis after the deal, and he th- he said this will be bigger than when Lockett came here, and that that's saying something. Uh, it'll be bigger. It'll be the bigger thing for their football club. And you've seen the crowds at the Swans games. Pretty much every spectator, spectators wearing his number on their back. You know, he fills, he fills stadiums. He's a, he's a match winner. He's one of the genuine superstars that we've seen in the game. And, and I mean that. I mean, we throw around loosely the words champion and, and superstars all the time. But he is a superstar. There's no doubt about that. 944 Cut. goals. He'll, he'll get his thousand goals. I'm not even concerned about that. He'll come back next year and probably play 20 games.
0: Kane, I don't expect Liam to answer this, whether the figures are on or not. It's reported that uh, Lance is due to receive 1.4 million this year, 1.5 million next year, and 900,000 in the last year of his deal. But how does COVID af- affect the deal, Liam? I mean, you were marched in there like all of them back in the day when Ken Wood. Uh, grilled you all, and then the AFL demanded every Swans board member sign that letter saying the money would stay in the cap regardless and the length of the deal and all that sort of stuff. It was unprecedented in, in so many ways.
1: Well, I think what will happen at the end of the year, and we're still flying a little bit blind on this, is that at the end of this season, once once the, uh, the games are finished, everyone's going to sit back and take a breath and go, all right, where's the competition at? Now, is the competition, what can it afford to pay the players next year in a salary cap? How many are on the list? There will be a lot of things that go into it. There could just be a, a, just a reduction for every player across the board. It just could be a TPB reduction of 15%, 20%. It could be that per player, which would mean he'd fall into the same category as everyone else. If that's what the, the league decides, that the cap's coming down, well, it'll affect every player in the same way, I would think. So if you're, you know, if you're on buddy's sort of money or you're on you know a third-year player's money, you're still going to cop the same percentage whack, I would think
2: one three hundred seven 736 we'll take your calls on your thoughts if it, it sort of goes the way that it's been going has the buddy deal been a success and no doubt, uh, they would have expected a premiership in that nine years. But you can't do much more than get them to be up in a grand final in 2016 with about seven minutes to go, and it certainly wasn't Buddy's fault on that day. So well, I fi- subscri- subscribe that it it's success, no doubt. Yeah, uh,
1: his performances in finals have been outstanding. they have been so his, his performances for Sydney in finals have been excellent, excellent. Mm. Even his last game. Let's not forget his last game, his 300th game. I mean, he was pretty, pretty reasonable that day when he kicked mm. four or five. And did he's uh, bet? Did, did his and good night? for no, Hawthorne
0: did. too, Kate. I mean, it, it, it's the old classical win-win for mine because if Buddy stays perhaps on the money that he deserved, many others don't. And they obviously go on to win premierships at Hawthorne as well. Yeah,
2: well,
1: that's
0: good.
2: We're going been, to talk about yeah. some of the injuries as well that have... Um, well, significant ones that just in the last couple of weeks of training, and there's only been a couple of contact sessions, there's been a number of injuries. So how much of a factor will that be for the rest of the season? We'll get to that very, very shortly. But let's go to Brad who wants to speak... About that man, Buddy, your thoughts, Brad? Welcome.
0: how are you going, mate? Good. Hey, um, I, look, I completely agree with what you guys are saying. I, I can't see any reason why this is not a contract that was 100% worth it. I mean, for context, I'm a bit of a St Kilda supporter, and, um, you know, if we had the two opportunities with a star like Buddy, and I'm not saying he's completely the only reason that they made those grand finals, but he is a major, major reason, and I'll go as far as to say they probably don't make those grand finals without a gun full forward like Franklin... So I understand that it didn't go their way on those two days but if you look at it from a from a costing perspective, I think that 100% if my club had an opportunity to pay X amount of $1 million dollars to get two chances at a, at a crack at a Premiership I'd 100% think that's money worth spent. So I, I think definitely Buddy's been worth every cent he's, he's uh, been
2: paid from Sydney. No complaints here, Brad. I think we're all in agreement with that. The, the the point further though is long term deals. Uh, will there be a point where you know these sorts of deals, particularly if it doesn't go that well for Sydney in the last three years of Buddy's deal and Sam? You've mentioned the numbers that have been reported, well over three million dollars left on that deal. It, Brody Grundy's got 7 canelio uh, Cornelio's got seven, and he's missed a, a lot of football in the last three years. What's Brody Grundy going to be like when he's a 32, 33-year-old after carrying the ruck for 12 years at Collingwood? So is there a point, Sam, where you think they may clamp down on these long-term deals, particularly in the current climate?
0: Uh, I don't know if clamping down's the right way. Clubs just might be, and understandably so, less... Willing to do the deal, I suppose. And the reason it was done for this length of time, and Liam can speak to this far greater than mine, was just to spread the money out over Mm. a longer period. That what, as I say, what Buddy was worth. Gilliam McLaughlin, the then deputy CEO for Rewind Kane, did say at the time on the record that Sydney was taking, he termed it an extraordinary risk on Franklin. But the Swans probably feel they've already got value for money out of him anyway. And the last couple of years may have just been a bonus if he was able to keep going to 36. Again, that's one for picks. To answer, but I think it might just be um, a, a case of the environment we're in, and we might see clubs less uh, less willing to do these long-term deals if everything we hear uh, comes to fruition, and the clubs have just simply got less money to spend.
1: Yeah, no, well, there's there, look, there, there is an element of risk when you do a long-term deal, but you're right. It was that was about we didn't pick the term, we didn't suggest a nine-year deal to the Swans. The Swans, that's what they came up with mm. to be able to. As you say, smooth the money out. Remember, they still had goods and all these guys in their in their team at that stage. So there were a lot of lot of big names that they had to try and work around. Um, but oh, it's certainly been worth it for mine. I think it's been you know worth the investment. He loves Sydney. He's so he's so um, embraced at the football club, and he has embraced that Sydney team. And he's a real leader in the club now.
2: Mm, they put him in the leadership group this year, which was the first time in his his career. So it's re- remarkable. I, I didn't think he would get to that point. But we don't we don't hear from a lot from him. They don't put him up uh, very often in the media conference, do they? Pick is, no, is, that, is that just something that's not in his nature?
1: No, but he's good when he is in the media. Yeah. This is where I mean, I've always found Bud to be when he just sits there and he's natural. He's very he's very easy. He's actually a good interviewer, as in good. Sorry, a good interview when he mm. when he's. When he's sitting there and he's natural and he's comfortable and he's happy, but he just doesn't really rock his world, does it? <laughs> sitting in there and doing media, it's not really his cup so. of tea. He's not really out there TikToking and all that sort of stuff. No. That's just not how he rolls. Tommy
2: wants to join in the conversation on Buddy Tommy. Uh, what's your thoughts on the deal? Yes or no? A success or not?
0: Yeah, good afternoon, lads. No, I think it's a massive success. Um, you need to actually count the figures of how much money he's brought into that club in relation to sponsorship and you know, jumper sales and all that type of stuff, you'd clearly say it was successful. Yeah? But do you think when he's gone there, Lee, uh, after he's gone, Pickers, do you think who else is going to carry his mantle in, say, two years' time or something without, if they don't get a big-name player similar to uh, Joey Denner or something, mate?
1: Yeah, well, look, I think they're building... Look, I've, I haven't got a lot of worries about the Swans' young ones. I think they've got some fantastic young players. Oh, yeah. You know, and I look at Nick Blakey, and I think he could just develop into some sort of player here, Nick, Nick Blakey, and... Uh, McCartan's coming along nicely. They're not Buddy Franklin. We understand that. They're different type of players. But I'm not concerned about the future of the Swans as such. I think their recruiting uh, has been excellent over the last few years. Um, So are they going to be able to go and recruit? Well, of course they are. There's no reason they can't go. And is it Joey Denneher? Is it someone else? The Swans are smart. They go about it the right way. They'll go and handpick what they need. And, you know, and that's how it'll work you 're talking about the uh that <laughs> mentioned about the jumper sales and the like and all that which I think's hilarious, not hilarious, I think it 's spot on, yeah. but I do remember just a little funny story. I do remember when he was about to be announced to them, you know, all the media are outside at the swans, and we're sitting in a room, and you know there 's Andrew Oll and myself, Johnny Longmire, and uh, their footy manager Dean Moore and bud and i said uh, by, the, by the way, he 's wearing number twenty three and they already had a player young Lockyer that was wearing number 23 and horse being pretty conservative said, Oh, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. Well, we haven't even spoken to the other kid yet. Who's already wearing the number? <laughs> Andrew Holland Teddyman said we've got a thousand number twenty threes upstairs already made. I'm pretty sure he's wearing twenty three.
2: He'll wear whatever number he wants to wear. <laughs> so Where wear... is that young villain now? Where's well, he gone? No, the old he, number twenty
1: three. No, we had that year on the list in another number, and then that was it. But, yeah, but... I mean, horse was trying to do the right thing, but. But we did have a bit of a laugh about it when, when Andrew said that the membership had already made all these number 23s. Oh, uh, anyway, it was, it was on, quite, quite funny. We said, don't say anything in the press conference. Someone asked you about number 23. said, I'm sure, <laughs> absolutely I'm wearing number 23. I said, what about the kid that's wearing it? And he said, oh, well, we'll have to find another number. Too bad. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the membership in 2012 was 29,000, currently sits at 61,000. You'd have to think that most of that growth is, has come on the back of uh, Buddy Franklin. Chris wants to join in. Uh, Chris, you want to pose a question? Good afternoon. Hey boys. Yeah. Good afternoon to you. Um, a question on on Buddy. I don't
0: know if you can answer. Picks. He's he's not a, a Tom a Tom Hawkins type uh, a power forward. He's more of a mobile forward. I reckon he's carrying a little bit of extra poundage than what he should, especially for a guy at thirty three.
1: Yeah well look to be perfectly honest that's not the male I'm getting out of uh, out of the swans they said he came back very lean and he came back in extraordinary nick after a really f- a faultless pre-season until he had that knee setback and and then obviously he's worked on himself to the stage where he's come back and they think they think he's in great nick and they'll they'll have the measurements they'll have the the calipers and they'll know exactly what his what his weight is and what his skin folds are so yeah sometimes it can be a bit deceiving when they're running around in those really skin tight tops But I know the Swans are happy with how he looks.
2: Yeah, he looked good to me just from the pictures that I've seen. At times, I reckon he's, he may have been three or four kilograms too heavy, just at stages throughout his what 15 years in the game. But that's not uncommon. But you're right, the, the white Sydney Guernsey around the stomach often doesn't do them many favours. But <laughs> recently, favors. he he looked he looked look really fit and lean. And um, yeah, I don't think that's the reason that he keeps doing his Hammy. Um, some other injuries: Sammy Trelaw went down with a calf. Ben Reed, Hammy's brother, Sam's also out as well. Taylor Garner, significant hamstring injury. Marcus Adams, Ed Vickers-Willis, Basher Hawley, and Charlie Curnow had that knee set back. We're only mm. two weeks in return to training. It's going to be oh, its going to be carnage. It's going to be carnage, and whoever wins the flag this year, it's going to take a full squad approach, I reckon.
0: Oh, I agree with you, and I don't want to be a negative Nelly or have people uh, jumping up and down saying I'm being unnecessarily hysterical. I think this is the tip of the iceberg. I think we're going to get a lot of injuries this year. For all the obvious reasons whether they be the natural freakish contact injuries or what seems to be the case already a bit more soft tissue stuff Um, and I think that's going to be the case again this week as clubs ramp it up again uh, next week rather I think we're going to get a few injuries and um, it's unfortunate
2: Mm, let's have a listen to high performance manager at the Carlton Football Club formerly of Hawthorne I think the best fitness man in the game Andrew Russell he gave us his take on Fox footy on his prediction with injuries this year if the players had a good preparation, they were really sharp in the seven weeks they were away, and we
0: get it right through this phase, I don't think we're going to have too many issues. Um, but we know
2: that we're in an imperfect world. We know that players are a struggle for motivation. We know that they may not have done the program they were supposed to do. So I think we will see more, but the guys that have done the work, I don't expect to see more from the guys who have done the work. Mm, there he was there. He just went on to speak about the impact that same-day travel will have as well. It's going to be long days for the clubs. They're going to fly in the same day, fly out. They're going to sit around at airports. It's going to be some 14-hour days. Andrew Russell was uh, asked a question about the impact that they, that may have this year. Yeah, that, that, that is a challenge, and there's no doubt some players really don't like travelling on the day. But really, those guys are the guys that have mainly lower back issues or back-type issues. They're the guys that don't like it. Oh, look, we don't have many. I think the younger teams, are you know, potentially the younger teams are going to go better because they had less chronic injury. They're not carrying injuries they've had for a long time. Um, so I think those groups actually might go better than the more experienced teams. Um, they're also, the, you know, more, the, the older players have really strong routines they want and now these routines are going to be changed.
0: and <laughs> challenge their thinking.
2: We're up and running on Crunch Time this morning. We're here for Red Energy, for Australian electricity and gasoline. Pickering in the house, Sam Edmund. Also, we'll take your calls, one 736 736 On the other side of this, we're going to hear from the AFL CEO, Gillam McLaughlin, on a whole raft of issues, including shorter quarters, fans at the footy, and extended interchange bench. This is Crunch Time. Thanks for your company on crunch time, Liam Pickering, Sam Edmund, in the house for the next half an hour or so. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. We'll get to Brian very very shortly. He wants to speak a little bit about Buddy, but Gillam McLaughlin spoke on three AW yesterday. He was asked about the prospect of shorter quarters remaining for this season and beyond. And good news for Pickers and I, not so for Sam Edmund.
0: <laughs> not at the moment. Um... We're, you know, we're staying flexible things. If we need to, we're going to be able to, um, um, um,
1: you know,
0: be agile. I think there's an acceptance from the supporters and the clubs and others
1: if we need to because if we need to compress games at the end of the year. But at the moment, with the reduced quarters, we don't we don't need them.
2: Mm, don't need them. I like it. I, I think players would have been too fresh. I think it would have been too defensive because um, I just wasn't a fan. I didn't see any need for it.
1: No, and I like how they use the word agile a lot. It's been used a lot, hasn't it? It's yes. like pivot, pivot, and agile. Are two u- two words and zooming. I think they're the words we'll just we, we won't we won't be missing hey, when COVID's finished.
0: Hey, Liam Kane pivoted earlier. Kane, did you say you would have preferred them to go back to the twenty in time on this season straight away, as of yeah, the a, resumption?
2: Well, absolutely. I don't understand why they haven't. Well, what, the reason that they shortened the quarters was because we thought we were going to have to squeeze a lot of games yeah. in, in. Well, a we short still might. But, still but, but not, not at this stage. Like the, the schedule looks looks pretty similar to what it usually is to me. Thursday to Sunday, teams are going to basically get six days break every week between games. It's not going to be forced to play you know three games inside ten days or something like we thought they may have had to. That was the reason they shortened the quarters. Now that's not the case. Why, yep. why would you commit to shorter quarters and in particular shorter final series? We're going to have a shortened grand mm. final,
1: twenty percent shorter. Ridiculous. Yeah. I'd- so I don't know how you think you can win this argument, Sammy.
0: Oh, I'm not not arguing at all. I'm simply asking a question. You don't well, need to put your gloves back on, Pix. No, but no. maybe the other part of it is they, they played round one with shortened quarters and they're always on about maintaining integrity and consistency across the season. Maybe they've started with it. They're going to see it through. Oh, come well, they,
1: they,
2: they also played with four on the interchange bench, but that, that still didn't mean they weren't considering extending the interchange bench and still but they haven't, have not considering it. Well, they but haven't yet, ha- but they, they still considered it. So, you know, that, they that was in yet, play. But they've
0: ruled it out. So it's not happening.
2: But but they considered it, so they at least you know the the integrity of the game then wasn't a factor for them to consider yeah. having an extended interchange bench.
1: There's no reason why you couldn't have had round one with sixteen and a half minutes no. or whatever it was in time on, and, and then from the rest of the season, it's not disadvantaging any teams. They're all they're, they're all playing to the same rules. Imagine
0: just... how volatile the game would have been with sixteen and a half minute quarters plus time on and six on the bench. Do you have any faith the coaches would have used those extra two players the right way?
2: It would have had to have been, for me, they would have had to have been subs, wouldn't they? I would have thought. So if a player comes off, then they're out. So the the old red vest back on because you couldn't use it as an extra
1: rotation. No one would have scored. We saw the rest. Well, I, I thought oh. we saw the back of those vests.
2: Yeah, I know they were horrific, but uh, you couldn't have had six on the bench and coaches just rotating and using a oh. full 90 set of rotations because yeah. it just would have been carnage. You would have been too many numbers around the ball. You can have your say on that or any, uh, any topic this morning. Plenty of footy news around the place. We're going to speak about the NAB League shortly. We were hot on it last week and Pickers was a bit frustrated. There has seemed to have been some sort of development. We'll discuss that very, very shortly. But Brian's been patient on the line. You want to speak about Buddy? Welcome, Brian.
0: Uh, hi fellas, yeah, um, I uh, I love Australian rules, Australian rules is my second religion and I love watching great players play, but I fear for uh, Franklin's future because he reminds me very much of Matty Richardson and I'm a Richmond fanatic. Uh, the, Richo had all the, the same problems as uh, Franklin's having now and he finished up ripping his uh, hamstring off the bone and retiring. I just feel that at his age with all the scar tissue and the you know the the damage that they're, they're they're building up over a period of time, that his 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 future may be very limited.
1: Well, I hope you're not right there, uh, Brian. I must say, but uh, look, you, you do you do get concerned when you you start getting repetitive soft tif- tissue injuries. He's been a pretty durable player, buddy, for a long, long time. Uh, but he did have the hamstring last year. The knee setback was just a setback. I'm not, I wasn't mm-hmm. overly concerned about that. But then to get another one. First up, when it wasn't really, didn't look to me like a a huge, like, you know, sprinting drill or anything. It didn't look like it was much in it. Um, yeah, and look, they haven't done a lot for a long time. He's probably worked that hard on his knee that uh, maybe it's just one of those things. So I'm hoping that, um, I think we're all hoping that he comes back and... Richo, when did Richo get that close? To, get close to winning the Brownlow? it was only second last year, was it?
2: Yeah, so he only played six in his last. Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah okay. and then uh, that finished his career. But, but he was also reasonably durable, Richo.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They are very similar types, though, aren't they? I mean, Brian yeah. makes a really good point that they're, they're both big, running, athletic sort of characters, and yeah, Richo would be a good person to talk to about it, Buddy mm-hmm. if he's been through it because. Yeah, you know, obviously, uh, there's a scenario where he can talk from his own experiences, and they would have been similar ages. I would have thought as well.
2: And Nick Revolt, probably the other one as well. He had that tendon hamstring injury, but uh, he recovered.
1: Perfectly he came back from
2: that and came back and played, you know, a million games uh, over 350, I think it was. So Revolt, similar power running, same size, big aerobic guys, um, but uh, Nick Revolt a bit more durable in the latter part of his career. So Richo spoke on Sports Day during the week uh, about that man, Buddy Franklin.
0: Next year, but for his own peace of mind just to get his body right and play some football and get some confidence would be really important for him. So no, so, he'll be back this year. So the mental Does the mental aspect, Richo, of injuries when you get to that stage of your career, do you think it has any impact physically? Well, I think it can. I think subconsciously it can affect you. And I think the other thing at his age is it can just get all too much injury and rehab. You're just like, oh, is it worth it when you're getting up to 33, 34? And hamstring strains are the worst. They do your head in worse than anything. And with the weight that you carry at his size. He's 100 kilos. And even yeah. if, even if he tried to lose weight, he's never going to be much less than 100. Coming back from that with muscle injuries, it's it's a real worry for the Swans. There I pick go. some... Um, Kane asked me earlier about long-term contracts. We've seen in the last couple of years some contracts that would appear to be um, pretty unique. And I'm not sure if this is something you've advocated with your clients, but Andrew Gaff is a free agent um, coming up because he signed a six-year deal, but he's got a pretty big release clause that allows him to get out. This year, and I think Josh Kelly's the same mm. at GWS. I mean, I know they're both um, from the Paul Connors stable. Um, is this something that's a growing trend? We get these long-term deals, but but player and club can can get out of them.
1: Well, you need to to look at the wording, you know, because there's no options in contracts. So I'm not sure the wording of how they've how they've constructed these contracts with get-out clauses and the like. I have to admit, I haven't got any of the players in that situation. Their deals are their deals. So, I mean, you can always renegotiate them or you can still get traded when you've got a contract. But, yeah, I'm not sure how they've worded it, you know, and I'm only going by the speculation that you guys talk about in the press. I, I haven't spoken to Paul about it, how he's how he's done it um, and how the players – and whether they do have these clauses. I, I actually don't know whether they do or they don't. But uh, long-term deals give you security, I guess. Um, Was well, they definitely give you security. But, um, you know, you <laughs> – <you, laughs> You also can be, you know, doing the wrong deals because all of a sudden if the cap had gone up, then maybe you're thinking, well, maybe are they under the odds? So you've got to make sure the numbers are right and everything's got to make sense.
2: Sammy, what are you hearing about the the broadcast agreement? We've seen the work that the NRL have done extending with Foxtel by I think it was seven years and, and Channel 9 have committed there three years. We're reading in the age this morning that the AFL may be announcing next week an extension with Channel 7 and their broadcast agreement. Can you shed any light on where that's at?
0: I can't actually, Kane. No, I don't have any, what does Gillan say, visibility on that at all (laughs) other than they just haven't paid their most recent instalment, which sounds obvious given we've got no games, of course, and everything will have to be renegotiated in this space, much like the CBA with the players that will be um, renegotiated two years ahead of time. So all bets are off, as they say, and... um, it depends what the season looks like next year, I suppose, as well.
2: Mm. What do you make of the uh, pickers? I'll ask you. I'm not sure you watched much of the NRL in the last couple of days, but the the almost fake crowd hmm. noise. It was. I thought they did a pretty good job. It wasn't overbearing. It wasn't too confronting, and the man behind the scenes pushing the buttons was was right on cue. Do you like it?
1: I did. Yeah, I thought it sounded great. So, I'm not, you know, we called the first game of the year, which was the Richmond. Richmond Carlton game with no sound and I just thought it was lacking something like that that you at least could pick up and the players could pick something up, you know, I don't know whether they'll be able to on the ground, but you know, certainly through the uh, the broadcasting and watching the TV games, you know, to actually have something in the background. that sound, and It didn't sound fake. You know, back in the world of sport days, they'd, they'd put that <laughs> fake that fake background noise on and you could tell it was fake. That, that actually sounded real the other day on the, on the NRL. I think they did it well.
2: He's done yeah. a brilliant job, Peter Landis. You know, 1.3 million viewers on Thursday night—that's the highest ever since 2014. They're going to get a fortnight run of it, where you know, for once, the AFL isn't dominating the headlines. And I'm not sure it'd be sitting that comfortably with Gillian McLaughlin and the AFL. He was criticised for setting that May 28th date, but they got it back, <laughs> and they've done, they've done a great job. Now he's extended the broadcast deal, and the security, certainly financially, of the NRL is looking a lot better than it was. Um, certainly two months ago when we were questioning, you know, how healthy the game would be moving forward, Sammy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Just on the fake crowd noise, you're going to have one of those sliders, do you think? I think Gil McLaughlin's saying uh, yesterday that it's got to be in keeping with the state of play at the time. So there's going to be a fair bit of pressure on the old button pushers in the link van outside to make sure that the mood rises and flows and, (laughs) and descends with what's happening on the field. Gee whiz.
1: Have you ever seen these guys work? They are very good. The directors yep. and all the guys that sit in the truck at these footy games. I'm telling you that they are good, and it will sound it will sound great. I've got no doubt they'll do a good job. Well, both well, Kane, Fox They might, and, they might and not Seven. have to.
0: F- they might not have to for the showdown, Kane, because Koshy's talking about crowds coming to the showdown in Round Two in a uh, fortnight.
2: I did notice that discussions with the AFL about show. I'm not sure how that happens. You can only have 80 people inside a pub currently in Adelaide. So that's as of Monday, you can have 80 patrons inside a pub. You can only have 10 inside a gym doing a gym class. So I'm not sure (laughs) what the point is, what the point is of having 5,000 people in a crowd, if you're sort of doing the math on how big the Adelaide Oval is and spreading the crowd out. So, it's unlikely, and w- would there be any benefit for the Adelaide Oval to open up well, and put staff on? It's going to cost them money to do so.
0: No, it might be prohibitive. It might be yeah. the, the go the other way. I don't know how it works, but by the time you pay caterers, you know, insurance, staff, as you say, for 5,000 people. Interesting with the Storm playing tonight, boys, their first game of the season, I heard something yesterday that The Storm are looking about how they're getting their crowds back, and there's been some talk about them doing it via corporate boxes initially. Now, whether they actually are corporate box clients or they're getting typical fans in there, but that's something they can control, eight to ten people in a box, and they use the corporate boxes first as opposed to letting fans through the turnstiles as such and sitting in the outer.
1: Yeah, the problem Mm. with that is, though, is that it doesn't help the the look of the game, does it? No, it doesn't. (laughs) Because they're all sitting inside a box. You can't even bloody tell. No, I mean, no, it's I great for the coffers of the game because I'm sure corporates will, you know, people that are still flush with with cash will still be wanting to take their main clients with them to those sort of events and pay probably premium dollar for it. But it just doesn't help the look of the game when you haven't when you can't see them.
2: Can you uh, see hey, crowds wouldn't... this year at all, Kane? Um, yeah, I can. I think they will be, and they're just the optimism coming out of the AFL. So mm. you know they know a lot more than what I do with their discussions with the government and Gil saying that it's looking better by the day says to me that he knows a lot more than what we do with his discussions with the government now it's going to have to go right isn't it? it's going to have to continue the, the same trajectory that it has so far since you know things have opened up a little bit so yeah I, I can see twenty, thirty thousand 30000 at the grand final but do I have any knowledge Jeez. on why that is? I, I don't, other than mm. you know picking up on the vibes coming from from Gil. I mean, we're only into June in, in the next couple of days. It's still a fair way away between June and October. You know, it's a fair amount of time for the medical facilities to be shored up and the knowledge to increase. And you know, whether they're tested before going, whether they have face masks on and temperature checked, and all of that. Um, there's all those possibilities, but I reckon there'll be, there'll certainly be a crowd at the MCG on grand final day. Just want to quickly move on to Jack Stephen before we get to uh, the NAB League. Uh, Sammy, the debate between Eddie Maguire and Sam McClure on the role of a journalist this week has been on the agenda. Eddie's basically saying, well, you're a journalist, your job is to ask questions that may not go down too well. Sam McClure is saying well hang on if, if he's got a mental health issue I'm, I'm not going to go into those sort of areas to put yourself in that position you're down at Geelong training Jack Stephen walks in for his first session since he's been stabbed do you ask him the question hey Jack uh, what happened can you shed any light on, on what happened to you
0: I think you asked the question in that scenario and you you phrase it in a as inoffensive way as you possibly can. I think you definitely asked the question, but I think what a lot of what Sam says is correct. I think if Jack Stephen had been stabbed in 2004 and Dane Beams had sort of gone off the rails mm. in 2005, by now we would know every little dark and gory detail about both of those stories. But rightly or wrongly, in 2020, and mental health being such a big part of it all, there's such a bigger awareness of it now on a player's personal situation that... There isn't that insatiable desire to do that, and I think the media is a collective here, and I'm putting us all in the one pen, know when to hold or when to fold, if that makes sense. So we know the ones we, we can chase, or the ones that might be a little bit hot, and I think these two, and there's plenty of other examples in recent times as well, you've just got to pull back a bit.
2: What, what does the club know? So, so, then, so we don't have to know, the public don't have to know, the media don't have to know, but... I'm a little bit with Damien Barrett on this one who wrote on AFL.com this week and Hutchie sort of been of a similar ilk on Footy Classified saying, well, the club and the AFL have to know what happened to him for safety, for integrity reasons before he can come back and play. Do you think, and I know you've had discussions with the club, do you think they know what happened?
0: I'd be staggered if the club didn't know what happened by now. I mean, you mm. speak to clubs about other players, at other clubs, they know what's going on. I mean, if they don't know about what's happened to their own player, I would be completely flabbergasted. I reckon they would have been across it almost from the outset. And the police have got to do their thing. That investigation's ongoing. So there's a chain of events with things like this. But behind closed doors, absolutely, the Cats would know what happened.
2: Do you reckon he'll play around two? No. Mm. But I'm guessing... All right. Cats fans, 1-300-736-736. On the other side of this, we're going to speak about the NAB League, according to Cow Toomey on afl.com.au. There's been some developments looking like August. Some of these kids might get some footy. We are here for red energy. Finally, absolutely, for Australian electricity and gas. This is Crunch Time. 12 days and footy will be back on our screens, which will be welcome after such a, a long layoff. Looking forward to it. Mike is in Brisbane. He wants to join in the conversation on Jack Stephen and Eddie Maguire. Mike, good morning. Good afternoon, I should say.
1: G'day, fellas. How are you going? Good, thanks. Yeah, I'll just, uh, just on this one, I think Eddie's played everyone on a bit of a break here in that um, he's very quickly been able to shift the focus of this, of how this originally blew up from being about Eddie being the president of a football club commenting on the personal situation of another player
0: at another club to it being about, you know, what the media should ask. So, you know, he, he
1: continues to be able to sort of, you, you know, hold this conflict of interest because nobody's holding to the, count, to, the, to the point of play here, which is the, Collingwood, the president of Collingwood Football Club is telling Geelong how they should and shouldn't manage one of their players that's going through a bit of a personal crisis.
2: And he, can, he continues to get away with it. Yeah, I, I didn't have an issue with Eddie's take on this. I I sort of agreed with him that if you are going to stand up there in front of the media, um, as Chris Scott did, then it's tough to lecture us to not speculate when you haven't filled us in over a week later of, of what happened. Of course, if we don't know what has happened, people are going to speculate. So... All Eddie basically said was, well, well, don't hold a press conference if you've got nothing to tell us. And I tend to agree with him. I know I'm in the minority there, and a lot of people saying, Stay out of it because you're the president of the Collingwood Football Club and you told us nothing about Dane Beams and his issues. So I, I get that point of view, but Eddie's been doing it for 25 years. It's not the first time he's you know, commented on other clubs. It won't be the last. And Pickers, I can see, I can separate Eddie, the media person, and Eddie, the president. A lot of people can't. It's getting um,
1: harder, Cain. It's getting harder, to be perfectly honest. It's getting harder. I mean, there's a fight going on every day. It's getting a bit much for mine, but uh, you know, going on. Next thing you're whacking Colin Carter, then we're whacking bloody Sam McClure, then, then we're whacking Ed, Mark <laughs> Robinson, then we're whacking. I mean, it's just Caroline and, and Eddie going at it. Yeah, it, it's it, to me, it's becoming mind numbing. But anyway, I mean, it's just it's just wind as far as I'm concerned. I don't take much notice of of what Ed. I don't. Yeah, I don't take much notice of what he says about what's happening inside the Geelong Footy Club because he'd have no idea. Mm. And the, I don't know whether you can separate. You know, you, you, I get why the cats weren't happy with him being the, the Collingwood president and and demanding answers because you can't have it both ways. It's mm. simple as that.
2: Yeah, I, he's not the only one with with the conflict. No, is of course I've been so accused other, of it. So you know, and you know, a lot of us do. So I mean, there's not many in the football media that don't. So yeah, you know, I just just in that particular instance, and I'm you know I'm not speaking about the other feuds that he's in with Neil Mitchell and and all the other people at the moment. It seems. <laughs> oh, there's a big new, story
1: on that today. Apparently, yeah,
2: front page <laughs> yes. uh, Herald Sun can, article yeah, each and every day, but. In, in essence of what he said about Geelong, uh, specifically, I didn't have an issue with it. But let's move on to the NAB League because we were spe- speaking about this at length last week. This we time, there have been no developments. I interviewed Cow Toomey on the captain's run yesterday and there wasn't much that he could shed. But since then, he has written an article on AFL.com and there seems to have been some movement. So the oh, NAB finally. League is where 50% of players get drafted. From 14 of the first round last year were drafted from... The NAB League. What we are hearing, pickers, and you may have heard this as well, August, some sort of mini series of six weeks plus a shorter final series where the kids can actually strut their stuff and have a game of footy. Well, Is that what you're
1: hearing? Uh, well, I'm only hearing the same as okay. what you're hearing, and that's coming yep. from Tristan Solder, who runs the Junior Pathway programs. It's about time we got something because uh, when we're hearing junior footy leagues going, you know, they're playing. They've set dates out in Ferntree Gully or wherever wherever it is, and Mm. Sandful and Waffle, they're all ready to go. School footy has got a program. We just haven't heard anything from the elite level. It's frustrating. So Mm. glad that there was some movement this week. Uh, Hopefully that these young fellas that are dreaming of an AFL career get an opportunity to actually play.
2: So just those quotes there from Tristan Solder, as you said, we're currently investigating a number of scenarios that we can implement later in the year to ensure the best of our under-18 boys and girls' talent can get an opportunity to showcase their skills. It may not look normal, but we are committed to providing the right platform for the players and clubs. But
1: they'll have, they'll um, be happy to take that, cane. Just give them a six platform. Weeks. <laughs> just a platform. Mm-hmm. If it's six weeks, it's six weeks. If it's eight weeks, it's eight weeks. So just deal with it. It's we need strange, to see
0: them. hasn't it, Liam? Because we we've been we, I say, Victoria's been pretty progressive of late, and yet we've got South Australia and Western Australia, they're back on the field in the coming weeks, and the Sandfall and Waffle comps are growing closer to returns, and the APS is back, as you say, July 25. They're going to split that league into two groups, mm-hmm. and yet silence, relative silence, with one of the most important feeder comps in the whole thing.
1: Well, with the one that actually supplies the most players, which I find, I've found sort of quite staggering, and so have a lot of people in the industry, which I talked about last week. I'm not going to go over it again, but... I would think that uh, at least we're hearing something now from the guy who's running it, which is good. Uh, Let's just get some action happening now, though. It'd be good.
0: Touch base with a couple of recruiters this morning, Kane, just quickly, and they're hearing the same. Six games and finals, but as they told me, they've been told so many things that they're still pretty much in the dark.
2: Well, and oh, of the follow-up to that is how many of them are back at their clubs, Sammy, because you know, there's going to be a draft, there's half the best kids in the country not playing and there's most of the recruiters not working, which makes it pretty tough. Uh, are they confident they're going to be back to work in the next couple of weeks or what's the situation there?
0: Oh, I think so. I think you can't have a NAB league up off the ground with no recruiting staff at the clubs. I would have thought there's an element of them going hand in hand with that. You'd like to see some sort of condensed championships as well, wouldn't you? I mean, we're not, we know we're not going to get the full box and dice, but as Liam's saying, we just need something. We need some exposed form. You know, depending on what recruiter you, you speak to, some say, yep, we can we can nail our picks on what we've seen already. And others say, no, no, we we need to see a lot more. And then we know there's always a bolter. There's, there's bolters every year, so... We just need something to hang our hat on, don't we? In mm. terms of seeing the kids
1: coming through. Where it's difficult. It, tell me sorry, Kane, Where it's difficult is that. Yeah, yeah, we've seen them when they were sixteen or bottom age, seventeen. Mm. Um, but a lot of things, a lot of things change. There are yeah. players that are dominating at sixteen and sixteen and a half, seventeen, and their top age year they fall off. And there's a lot of them that are just slow developers that need exposure, and they're the ones that it's going to be difficult for, which will mean that they'll leak into next year's pool which means next year we'll have a strong draft because it's already a good group next year and if you can add a number of players that may not get the opportunity this year um because of yeah you know, not being seen enough and they get the opportunity to play again in the under 18s next year um, then we might have a super draft
2: yeah it's it's a good point I look at I remember when Marcus Bontempelli was drafted I looked at him I thought he's not a footballer like he's skinny <laughs> he just, just doesn't, where's he going to play is he key position what what, what is he and then he turns into you know top five player in the game. As for someone like that who develops later, similarly for Dangerfield. You no, know, Dangerfield <laughs> was recruited, spent a year still in Geelong or wherever he was playing playing school footy or under eighteen footy before he came across to Adelaide. He just didn't look like a footballer. He took some time to develop playing as a forward, and now look what he turns into. So there's to, to your. To back up your point, there's going to be so many that slip through the cracks, I reckon, this year. And coupled with that, if if the rookie list is abolished, and we've seen how many good players come from the rookie list, there's going to be a lot of talent left to be playing at lower levels that may not get an opportunity. They'll get there
1: if they're good enough, but it may not be until they're, I don't know, 21, 22 years of age. Or next year. It may be next year. could be just one of those bumpy years where we've got a good pool, as it is, as I've already said, plus we've got guys that in a normal year would have probably been drafted this year, but... Let's give them another year and we'll hold what we've got. Give them another year and there'll be opportunities potentially to play as overage players, next year anyway. So, anyway. Fellas,
2: good fun. outstanding as always. Sammy, thanks for your help. Good on you, lads. Good to talk. Pickers, you've had a big morning. Go put a bet on the races yeah, or whatever I'll you are doing. afternoon. Try
1: and find a winner or two, Can You go and try and do about 30, 30 Ks if you can. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week.